Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. Enjoying our uh, Fat Tuesday today. As Chris wanted to know, uh, did you actually get Poonchkees or not? No, I did not. No, you know what? Uh, if, if by chance they show up at the door, I may have one. But beyond that, nope. Uh, we got back from Las Vegas, and uh, we kind of, how do I put this? Kind of ate our way through Vegas. Really did. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know what? The, the Wednesday night we went upstairs to the foundation room, Grant. I think I'm still full from that night. I'm just quite a bit of full food. from last week in general. I when yeah. I was going back through the airport in Minneapolis, I'm like, I just want the cheapest, just worst burger. I was like, Shake Shack, perfect. I can't right. do another like big meal. I just need something really terrible, and it hit right. the spot. So because we had so much good food last week, yeah. it was incredible. You know, the one thing we were asked is, did we get to In and Out Burger? Never did. Never did. Never went to In and Out Burger. It was right. It was, there's like numerous locations out there too, but never. Never made it to the In and Out Burger. We had great times though. We went to uh, uh, the the Chicago Brewing Company over in uh, near Binion's on Fremont Street the first night. Piero's, the Italian, the, the famous Italian restaurant, on Sunday night. They had food on at the media at opening night, but that was terrible. <laughs> Did you have any of that? See, I didn't make media night with you guys because I was back at Piero's with Pete. So I was doing my second go round of Italian food. I didn't have any of the food at, at media night uh, on media uh, on opening night. Oh no, I got there late. I also didn't have okay. food at, at that night. Yeah. But you guys said it wasn't any good. Yeah, it was terrible. It was, it, it, and I don't know what it is lately that the NFL. It's cheap, and that's what it is. Maybe that's the reason I can just say, yeah, that's what it is. Um, it is. It's cheap food, and they did these. Awful flautas. And how you screw up authentic Mexican food, I have no idea. But they did. It was terrible. And even the cookies tasted like rice cakes. They were bad. So, because uh, we ended up going to Chipotle. That was, our, that was our night we went to Chipotle. And then the media night, you're right. We went to the media night. And the food there was actually really good. But it wasn't a meal. It was where you taste 20 different restaurants. And all of them were pretty good for the most part. Um, so we had that. And then Wednesday night, we went to the foundation room upstairs of the Mandalay Bay, which was spectacular. And what do we do on Thursday night? Thursday night was, what do we do on Thursday night? Oh, Thursday night was Cigars with the Stars. And that was a little bit of food, but we ended up doing something else after that. I can't remember what we did. The food there was actually really good. But I think I ate earlier in the day, if I'm not mistaken, and we had a meal. So I didn't eat a whole lot there. And we had some beverages after the fact. And then Friday night, we all went out and grabbed uh, grabbed dinner, walked around, that type of thing. And then after that, that was it. I was back home. And I think we had, I can't remember what it was coming back home. We had, uh, there was like a pizza place inside the Las Vegas airport that's where we went we went to a pizza place i don't remember the name of it it wasn't bad you know it was decent frozen pizza in a stone-fired oven but it it you know it was okay i had shake shack in the minneapolis airport and i know a lot of people they debate in and out versus culvert versus you know debate all these burger joints shake shack's pretty good bill i don't know if you've had it 
But that's my kind of, it's very thin. It's not like this big, messy burger. Like, I mm-hmm. might be a Shake Shack over In-N-Out guy now. I don't know. I, just, I need to have it again. But They we'll just built the Shake Shack. I mean, I can probably see it from my house if I stand on the roof. And I'm not kidding. They just built one. It's probably, if I had, if I go the long way around, all the stoplights is probably five minutes away. If I walk there, it's probably three minutes away. It's it's right up the street from me here at the house. So they just built uh, a Jilly's car wash and a Shake Shack within blocks of each other. So they're right there. So you can get your car washed and get you. You're going to need to get some Shake Shack and tell me what you think, because yeah. I I'll have to do it. I'd never had it. And I'm like, actually, that was pretty damn. I might have liked it more than a Culver's burger, not to be sacrilegious. But oh, Kristen must be watching because she just uh, chimed in and she said we went to Sammy's Pizza in the airport. Ooh. That's where we went. Sammy's Pizza. Sammy's. We went to Sammy's. That was it. Is that named after Sammy Davis Jr. or one I of the have other no idea. legends from Las Vegas? No idea. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Mike would know. Yeah. My oh yeah, Mike would know. My uh, Sammy Davis Jr. probably sat there at one point or another, popped his glass eye out, rolled around on the floor. They had to go find it. Something like that. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, that is the the food version of the program. Uh, we were talking about Aaron Jones and, um, you know, the kind of the straw that stirs the drink. And I, I want to go back to that for those that are just tuning in because now we're on the full network. But when talking uh, on the Micah Parsons podcast, Jordan Love had this to say about the run game and the importance of, jo- you know, obviously Aaron Jones but kind of how they uh, attacked the Dallas Cowboys in that defense. Yeah, man, why was Aaron following me all game like that, bro? Aaron Jones? Yeah, I, I did we, not expect that bro, out of him. Bro, well, that's the thing. Our game plan, like, we, we have specific play calls where it's like, all right, we chipping, we're going to get the tight end, the running back chipping you. We got, you know, stud jet protection where we, we going after the stud, man. You and But Jonesy in that game, bro, he did some phenomenal stuff. It was sometimes we was doing play action stuff where he just – he, he checking for like the nickel coming off the edge, and if he not coming, he's supposed to get on his route. And my fault. And he would feel you beat one of our our old linemen, and he would just bro, instinct I, just just go to chip you and, and help in bro, protection. I, it was unbelievable. Like it was on most of those inside rushes. I was like, no way, he's supposed to be there, like, bro. He was not. He, and that's just that's just the player he is, where he's at in, in the league, man. To 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 know how good of a rusher you are, and just be able to pick you up and, and help, you know, give me some time back there. Because nah, there was a couple of them. If he wouldn't have did that. I don't know, bro. That, like, I don't like, know. Like, I'm coming up to the sideline, like, yo, like, what, like, what is going on? Like, that was tough. Like, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I saw him yesterday. I was like, bro, I, like, I was like, I don't know if he was supposed to do that. Like, he was just doing that. Like, he freestyling out there and, and, and picking up and doing some great things. And he, he Jonesy, not the biggest dude, bro. Not. He not, the, but he got a lot of heart, bro. Nah, he bro, did. He, he got a lot of heart right there. He did. I, I was, I was like, that was tough. That was, that was, that was, that was tough. There you go. Jonesy's not the biggest dude, but got a lot of heart. And he was kind of the straw that stirred the drink when it came to the run game, opening up things in the passing game. So interesting stuff uh, from uh, Jordan Love. And that's the reason I think that Brian Gutekind saw what we all saw and said, you know what, he's, he'll be back. No worries, he'll be back. Because they, you need that guy. You need the ability to run the football. And, and going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier was, it's remarkable how the value of a running back has dropped but yet, if you have a good one, the value is sky high because they can open up so many things in uh, in the passing game for a quarterback. And in addition to that, the one thing that Aaron Jones uh, adds to this is, well, two things, actually. One is 
He's a good receiver out of the backfield. And the second thing is, he's one of the best blitz pickup guys there is. You saw him numerous times this season. One I can specifically think of against Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson was coming off the edge, and I mean, it was, he was going to light up Jordan Love in that Thanksgiving game, and Aaron Jones completely stymied him. I mean, it wasn't like when Kittle ended up hitting him and driving him right into the ground in the postseason, but he, I mean, he stopped him like he hit a wall, and Hutchinson never got any, any closer to Jordan Love. And Jordan Love's back was to him. I mean, he had 100% trust in Aaron Jones, and Jones picked that up. I don't think if you've got an Emmanuel Wilson, even if you've got an A.J. Dillon in there, I don't think they picked that up as, as well as what Aaron Jones did. So his blocking and blitz pickup has become so vital. As a pass catcher out of the backfield is so vital. The ability when he's healthy to run the football is vital. So I, that's the reason I believe for all three of those mentions that Aaron Jones comes back this year, and that's the reason that the run game really accentuated what it is Matt LaFleur's offense was trying to do. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Again, 867-1670. Ryan says, uh, hey, Bill, great show. Enjoyed watching you over on My24. Uh, no critique. It was a good job. It's basically what we see on the tube. Uh, I guess he means YouTube. Uh, he said, are they going to do it again next year? I think they want to do it um more now but they're configuring that was the test balloon and apparently the ratings were pretty good and even the stream after the fact that they put it out on and i put uh, the link to it over on uh, the facebook page and all that kind of stuff uh i think that proved to be pretty worth it and you know everything comes down to money did they make money on it i mean that's the that's the big question and if they made money on it and they have something to go out and sell then yeah we'll probably do it again i enjoyed it you know I'm not big on seeing myself on TV, I'll tell you that, but if people like it and they like listening to it, eh, you know, who knows? So we'll see. Um, but that being said, uh, Ryan goes on to say, uh, he says, no way you get rid of Aaron Jones. I would get rid of A.J. Dillon. I would also get rid of David Bakhtiari. I would get rid of Devontae Campbell. I would free up a bunch of money, and I would start to find myself some good safeties. They can play smash mouth football in the secondary. We need some tacklers back there and not a lot of guys that can dance. Sometimes it, it – wasn't it amazing to watch the secondary of the Kansas City Chiefs and the way they hit and the way they cover? Wasn't it? I mean, it was just, it was refreshing because that's the way you're supposed to play in the secondary. Spagnolo teaches that. I always get the, I get a feeling. I've never heard it out loud. I've never heard it expressed where, you know, Brian Gutekinds has never come out and said it, where they say, you know what? We really don't want our secondary really hitting guys because we don't want, you know, shoulder injuries or anything like that. I've never heard that. But you get that sense that, you know, you look at a guy like Darnell Savage, comes into the league, he's a hitter. Then all of a sudden, goes away. Gets an injury, goes away. You know, Darnell, you know, if you just throw your arm out there or try to, you know, just kick your leg out, maybe you'll trip him up. It Doesn't it seem like that's the way the Packers play, defensively speaking? They they play not to get hurt. I I we, because you just watch guys throw themselves at the legs of you know ball carriers rather than trying to make an a, a tackle attempt. I see it all the time. It drives me nuts. You got more opportunity to get hurt by being kicked or kneed or hit in the head than you do if you actually put good technique into a tackle. So I hope that changes with Halfley coming in. And I would love to see, 100%, I would love to see better hitters 
in the secondary for the Green Bay Packers. 100%. Hit us up. 877-867-1670. Stay right where you're at. Don't go anywhere. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. If you are going to take a significant other out for a nice little dinner, maybe a couple of drinks, place to go, Boondocks, barbecue, burgers, and brews. Great place to go. Boondocks BBQ Restaurant and Market is what it's uh, kind of called now. But uh, they've got all kinds of things uh, over there. They also uh, have the Lent special going on right now. The fried cod with a choice of sides. They've got Grandpa's Fish Sandwich with a choice of sides as well. Every Wednesday night during Lent, available starting at 4 o'clock. So beginning tomorrow, beginning tomorrow, you've got the Lenten specials over at Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews on County Road K in Oconomowoc in Stonebank, technically. But you can always find it, uh, Boondocks BBQ, BoondocksBBQS.com, I should say, BoondocksBBQS.com. S.com. But Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews, uh, right there in Oconomowoc, great place to go. Uh, really good people. Tom and Roddy and everybody, they're really good people. So stop in, tell them we said hi. They had, uh, I know they had a really uh, good special going on for the uh, for the Super Bowl. They had a lot of different food. And they change their menu all the time. But if you're thinking about going out, maybe for uh, Valentine's Day, you can do that tomorrow and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, they have good Lenten specials coming up. A lot of our, our sponsors do, but they have really good Lenten specials coming up. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. You want to find us, that is the way to do it. Again, 877-867-1670. Uh, if you want to find us over on the uh, the phone banks, you can. If you, you can hit us up on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can drop us an email as well, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Um, Nick says, Bill, I believe you're correct in the hitting, and they don't want to get hurt. Jay Alexander was hurt when he was plowed into by Najee Harris three years ago. He has not hit anybody really solid since. I think that's the way they teach it. I really do. I think they they look at it as – Tackling for defensive backs is almost like a necessary evil. Evil. It, it, they don't use them in those situations. And I think sometimes the more aggressive you can get, the better off you are. Just an FYI. I, I, I just really do. I, I, I believe that if you have technique and an aggressiveness, you are the aggressor. You are not getting hurt. But if you, if you, you know, every now and then it's going to happen. Don't get me wrong. It's like you're ne- you never say never. But I believe more often than not, if you are the aggressor, you are the one that is is putting it out there that I, I don't know why. It just always seemed to me like if you were the aggressor, you didn't get hurt. You were like the, the person that was flinching up and trying not to take a hit was the person that ended up hit hurt more often. I know. But I just 
Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Spags is everyone's darling this week, Steve Spagnuolo, with good reason. You ever listen to him talk about defense? He says, we got to tackle. We start working on tackling in right. training camp. We look for players that can tackle, coaches that talk about tackle. So 4-3, three, 3-4, three, press-covered zone. If your players can't tackle, you're at a disadvantage, and it feels like the Packers haven't tackled well in forever. That's step number one for me this offseason. Is you're right, right? Bro. I agree. I that That, to me, would be one of the things that I would love to see Halfley come in and, and really work on now philosophically speaking if it's something that stems from the head coach down saying hey we got to keep these guys healthy we got to do everything we can to keep them healthy it's healthy 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 then you start putting that seed in the back of guys minds that you know hey i i, I can't do this i can't do that because i got to stay healthy i got to stay on the field we all know and you've said it before the best ability is the availability but i want to see a team be more fundamentally sound we have talked about this for far too long for this not to be a philosophical thing inside 1265. That you go back to, you know, Dom Capers probably had the last true hitting defense. When you had Charles Woodson playing in the secondary, Nick Collins playing in the secondary, uh, you know, even Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams, he liked to hit. For as tall and as skinny as that cat was, he didn't mind throwing his shoulder into somebody. Sam Shields was a little bit iffy, but Tremont Williams, he didn't mind hitting somebody. I love that about him. Clay didn't mind hitting guys. A.J. Hawk didn't mind hitting guys. I, I, That was something that was the aggressiveness is what I liked about that defense. We really haven't seen consistency in the defensive backfield probably since 2015, 2016. That was probably the last time. And since then, it's been Mike Pettin. Then it's with Joe Barry. Now Halfley's turn. You know, hey, your number one thing to me is not only have the guys in the right place at the right time, but hit somebody. It's football for for God's sakes. So, and if you play like you're afraid and you're worried about getting hurt, you're going to get hurt. So I hope that this team becomes more aggressive in some of those areas. Um, Jason said, you need a guy like Chuck Cecil or Steve Atwater. Cecil was a beast. You're not even going to find that kind of guy anymore. I go back to even like Brian Noble. Noble loved to hit in the middle. Go back to a guy like Noble. Years gone by. They had, you know, like Leroy liked to hit. Butler liked to hit as a safety. He was him and him and Ronnie Lott, two guys that played the defensive back position as if to say, you know, you come in my territory, I'm going to take you out. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to see that as aggressive in today's game because they've outlawed it basically. But when it comes to a ball carrier being hit by a guy in the secondary, yeah, I want to see him do it. I want to see fundamentals come into play. 877-867-1670. Hit us up, 877-867-1670. Uh, 1670. So uh, if you got something to say, by all means, say it. Uh, what else do we have here for you? Um, ooh, trying to see. Uh, this is from Mark. Uh, Mark says, hey, Bill, uh, I love the hitting talk. We haven't seen that in a long time in Green Bay. Is Halfley a guy that likes to be aggressive like that, or is it just another retread? Don't know. Don't know. We're waiting to find out. Be great if we could find out, but don't know. He also can't be a retread. This is the highest position he's ever held in the NFL. Right. So, well, I think what he means is a retread of what we've seen from you know guys like Joe Barry. More of the same. Okay, I yeah. got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> I just, I look, I just know that Halfley is going to have about seven games to figure it out. And then fans are going to start screaming if it if it doesn't change. 
I and that that's might that might be a little. That's probably being gracious. Because uh, if, if they give it up big time in the first couple of games, people will go, ah, they'll get it. But by game three or game four, it might get even worse. I was going to say, screams f- could get loud. first couple of drives, you know Packers yeah. fans, they'll go nuts at halftime in week one if it looks the same. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Jeff says, hey, Bill, great show. I expect big things out of Jordan Love this year. Now with a second year coming under his belt, three, four games into the season, he should be on fire. That is from Jeff. That's kind of, Isn't that what uh, Greg Cosell said? That now he's got his first season under his belt. You you know you start to look for some things to uh, work on in the off season, and then really he starts to kind of come into his own as the secondary the the second year receivers begin to come into their own. About four or five games into the season, this thing should really begin to take off. It, didn't he kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Something like that, yeah, yeah. So I, that's that's a I, Jeff. I don't know if you were listening or if that's your own assessment. That's but that's a pretty good assessment. Uh, going back to great minds, that I'll go along with. Uh, and uh, real quick, Jesse says, uh, hey, guys, with pitchers and catchers reporting, uh, do we talk more Brewers baseball? Do they have another trade in the works? I would love to see them bring in a true third baseman. Jesse, we have not gotten into that discussion. Um, you, I would not put it out of the realm of possibility. The, uh, the, the Brewers have God, they've gotten a few guys once camp starts, Spe- uh, specifically when David Stearns was the general manager. He would wait, let things cool down, and then as guys begin to look, get a little more desperate that may not have jobs, if there's somebody that can really help this team that they've had their eye on, they'll go out and get them, you know, about a week into camp, you know, just about when the, the time when the team is, is getting to reconvene or about a week into the team reconvening. He's done that. He's made a couple of deals like that. Uh, I don't hear anything that's burning up my ears at this point that – you would that would lead you to believe that the the Brewers are going to be doing something imminently here in the next week or so, but I agree with you. I would love to see them. It, that's like the last position to bolster. I mean, that would be it. Think about that. You still have Adamus at, at, at short, Bryce Terang at second. You've picked up um, Reese Hoskins over at first base, so now you've solidified your first base position. You have the DH capability with Christian Christian Yelich. Your outfield. With Sal Freelick and company and Mitchell, they're solidified. Behind the play with Contreras is solidified. you got a pretty good defensive team out there. You just need now pop. And if Adamas can give you average with the pop that he brings, if Hoskins can come back to form and give you, say, 255, I mean, I'm being very conservative when it comes to my wish list. Just like last year, I was hoping to get to 270, 275 for Christian Christian Yelich, and then there was a period of time where he was up around 280, 285. If you can get back with that with Christian Yelich, get decent pop and power numbers out of Hoskins, decent pop and power numbers out of Adamas, Contreras continues to hit for average and such behind the plate, and the guys in the outfield are, are popping the ball all over the park and being able to create you know doubles and triples and you know guys in, in scoring position, you've got something. Because you're a really fun team to watch, but if you're you know if you're gripping and ripping consistently, and you you might get some more power numbers out of the younger guys that have come up, you may get a couple extra home runs here or there, but you would love to see that third base that that power position really. If you could solidify that, man, you've got yourself a really complementary team to what it is. I believe what it is. I believe you have uh, off or uh, pitching wise. Specifically, the back end of your your bullpen. 
So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, Colton Bartholomew from the State Journal is going to join us coming up next. We're going to talk some Badger basketball, football, all that kind of anything Badger. We're going to talk a lot about that when we come back. Also, we're going to talk about the uh, the Vrabel connection to the football program because, you know, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a good brain trust right now in Wisconsin, and you just hope that uh, the W's, pardon the pun, begin to equate to what it is brain trust wise they have behind the scenes. So I'm excited about that. We'll talk more about that as well. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael show. It's all coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Hey, don't forget about our friends at Lux, L-U-X-E, LuxGolfBays.com. Go to LuxGolfBays.com, located in Franklin, Wisconsin. If you want to get your game on, keep your swing on, maybe it's a group of you, just yourself, or uh, even one of those kind of team-building things for your company and your business. Go to LuxGolfBays.com. That's LuxGolfBays.com. They have everything that's new over there. They have the doghouse over there. They've got the new pizzeria over there. They've got Blend. Uh, the cocktail bar and drink bar that's over there. They have, obviously, the ballpark commons uh, there as well. So many good things over at LuxGolfBays.com. That's LuxGolfBays.com. Joining us on the phone now, our uh, guy, Colton Bartholomew, of uh, the Wisconsin State Journal covering uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, the football program. Colton, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So give me your thoughts, first and foremost, of what Vrabel – I mean, obviously there's a good connection there between Vrabel and, and you know, the head coach and Luke Fickle. But uh, give me your thoughts as to what Vrabel might add to this organization. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing because uh, I, I think it's pretty clear that Mike Vrabel doesn't want to do uh, anything in an official capacity because he doesn't want to be tied down to working. If he's going to have a year off, I think he's going to try to take a true year off from, from the coaching grind. But uh, – I think what he can do is not only just give some perspective on, you know, obviously defensive play overall and the this general scheme stuff that will be more with the coaches, but I think with players, just certain techniques. I mean, this is a guy that was a college defensive lineman and then became kind of a hybrid DN linebacker in the NFL and was you know productive for 15 years. And this is a lot of knowledge there that you looked at the teams he coached. They always had, defensive linemen or linebackers being able to get after the passer really until this last season with the Titans. So I think that's something that the Badgers could sorely use. Somebody just maybe just bring in some different ideas about pass rushing and maybe some different techniques or drills to do. And um, just, I think just the fact of having somebody like Mike Rabel come in, even if it's just a couple of talks or, you know, a couple of practices, be able to float around, it'll be a, a cool thing for the players and, for this program as a whole to be able to experience and get a little bit of an outside perspective from somebody that's as knowledgeable as he is. What do you make of kind of how the season went last year? I mean, granted, they ended on somewhat of a high note, but, uh, you know, give me your thoughts as to how the season went and maybe where the expectations realistically should be for this season. Yeah, obviously last year was a disappointment. You go into uh, the whole off season was really about, you know, making big changes on the offense and then doing different things and, uh, trying to basically catch up with where 
a lot of the better teams in college football were going with their offenses and then it didn't work. You know, it, it was, you know, choppy to as best. And then really when they finally maybe found themselves and got a little bit healthier toward the end of the season, they were able to put some wins together, but it was a disappointing year. And you talk to anybody in the program, there, there were some really tough moments there, uh, particularly in that November stretch when they lose to Northwestern, uh, especially at home, that that was really the one right. that was a killer. Indiana before that, so I think going into this year, the, the the expectations are definitely lower than they were last year. I mean, even if you look at the Vegas odds, I think it was seven and a half wins for the Badgers, six and a half wins for the Badgers. So we're talking, you know, the outside perspective is they'll probably have another 500 season. So I think when you look at what they've tried to do offensively. They're not really going to be able to replace Braylon Allen, I don't think, in year one. Ches Malusi staying healthy would be a big thing, but it's been hard to really bank on that year in, year out. So how you kind of gauge where they're going to be is like, can this defense take some step forward? You know, you're going to have some losses. I think Alabama's still a better, more talented team, even without Saban. And you've got some really tough games on the schedule. So it's really a question to me is like, can the defense take steps forward to keep them in some games and then, can Tyler Van Dyke kind of get back to early college career the way he played, where he was able to make some explosive plays, but more importantly, was smart with the football and got the ball moved around. So I don't know. It's a big question mark to me. And I think once we start seeing some things in spring practices, maybe we'll have a better idea, but this season could go you know, either way, really. I think this is the first time in a long time that I don't have a decent idea of where, this program's going to go. I feel like it's a really big inflection point right now for the whole program. What kind of an upgrade is there at quarterback? You know, I think number one is going to be, this is the guy that's used to this system. And so was Tanner Mordecai when he came in. But I, I just think that it's a different level when you're playing the ACC versus where Mordecai was with SMU and playing in the American, you know, the American right throughout Mordecai's career, his, the best team he played was Luke Fickle's Cincinnati team, right? So I think there's going to be a factor there where he's just used to seeing the power five speed and the power five defensive backs. But I think, too, the, the advantage that Van Dyke's going to have versus what Mordecai came in with was everybody on this offense was making an adjustment last season for the Badgers, and now it's just the guys that maybe are the freshmen or the transfers are making the bigger adjustments, and I think having that year under their belt in the system and kind of knowing what it's going to be like. I mean, you already hear uh, things from coaches and players about their off-season workouts and their kind of loose practices or their workouts, however you want to call them, are just a lot more organized, a lot crisper. So I, I think Van Dyke maybe walks into an easier situation to succeed, but it's really going to be on him to elevate some young guys, and they're not going to have a Braylon Allen to lean on. So I think he's really got to play better than we've seen the last couple of years out of him. We have seen year after year of different players go through, whether it's Michigan or Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr. obviously comes to mind, but they've had a string of great wide receivers. And you know your quarterback is only as good as the people they're throwing to. Tell me about what they have. Because every year we talk about the quarterback play, but what we don't talk about is do they have speed? Do they have catchability? Do they have leaping ability? Can guys go get the ball at the apex? Do they have those guys in the fold? You know, I think we started to see – the emergence of some of those guys later on in the year. Obviously, Will Pauling was a success story all of last season. I think if you really were to rank all the transfers they brought in last year, he was probably the number one guy in terms of production and kind of living up to what they hoped for him. Um, so he's going to be back in, in that slot role and just going to be a kind of key 
member of the offense, keeping chains moving and trying to be an explosive player. I think what we saw out of Bryson Green in that bowl game, obviously LSU's defense was bad. They, they fired the whole staff pretty much the day after the game. But I, I think his emergence in terms of being able to be that outside guy that is making some of those contested catches, making some of those jump ball plays, I think that's going to be a big factor for this offense because if you can get those two spots locked down, then you've got guys like Tyrell Henry coming over from Michigan State looking for a bigger role. He can be somebody that's explosive. I'm still not out on C.J. Williams. I think there's a ton of untapped potential there that whatever reason they weren't able to get to last season. So if he can kind of get on back on the right path, I still think there's a lot of potential there for him. So I think they've got a few of those guys, and they've got, still got some projects in that receiver room that they're working on. And if they come through, then it's going to help a lot. And if they don't, then I think you might see kind of some of the limitations that we saw from 2023. You know, one of the biggest things that I noticed was early on and through that stretch that you were talking about, going back to, you know, the, the early portions of November when they were in even October, uh, was the offensive line did not look good. They seemed to be getting pushed around quite a bit. And then things changed they, 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 kind of down the stretch. Things got a little bit more right with the offensive line. But we've become so used to just having road graders at, at Wisconsin that can just hold off any kind of a pass rush. They can open up major holes for the run game. We haven't seen that in a while. Give me your thoughts in this offensive line. Yeah, I think that's the position group that if this offense gets right next season, that's probably going to be the group that you look at and say, oh, okay, the improvements there made it so that this offense could, could really get humming. And I think the first thing is just the knowledge of the system, and it's not as big of an adjustment going into year two. Um, you know, they, they were working on so many different techniques and different – spacing and things of the offense last year that I think a lot of that putting those guys on the islands and especially in, in pass protection, even, you know, you always think about that tackle versus that edge rusher in the one-on-one scenarios, but in Wisconsin's old system, there's a lot less space and it's a little bit more condensed. The, the tackle kind of knew that all else fails. You could kind of just try to ride the guy towards the outside new system. It was very much the two, there was a lot of space and these guys didn't have a, a great grasp of how to handle it and make sure that the defender went where they wanted to. And I think they're going to get to that point here in year two. The question to me is, can they, can they develop some depth here in the off season to sustain an injury? Because I think if you just look at their top five, they'll be pretty, they'll be okay. They'll be, they'll be fine. And, you know, maybe if those guys can take a jump forward, they're better than that. But if they have an injury in that front five or that top group, it's a lot of question marks behind them and a lot of young guys that haven't played before. So it's a really big off season for that group, not only the top group getting better, but then finding some guys that they can rotate in and, or, you know, it's just go through an injury if it happens in the season. Uh, I want to, I do want to talk about Jim Leonard. I, I, he did not get the job at, uh, you know, with the Packers and you can only assume that maybe when he, kind of opened his mouth the last time and said, hey, I didn't take it, that it kind of put the Packers in an awkward position with Joe Barry. Maybe he didn't get a call. I don't know. But uh, then he goes off to Denver, and now he's a defensive backs coach. So that pretty much shoots the theory that he didn't want to leave Wisconsin uh, out of the mix. So now he's off to the pros. But give me your thoughts on Leonard deciding, uh, you know, hey, Denver's the place for me. Yeah, I think number one, I think he wanted to go with the pros because I don't think he's super interested in the current state of college recruiting, especially against Wisconsin. Um, I, from what I've been told, like he just, the, the, the idea of telling somebody not to go to Wisconsin and kind of directing them away from a, a program that he knows and cares about so much just didn't sit, 
super well with him. And obviously his role at Illinois, he wasn't involved in the recruiting aspect. It was really just the game to game and week to week preparation. So I think going to the pros was always kind of his goal. And then when you look at the Broncos situation, their secondary needs some, some upgrades in terms of talent, but they've got a really good safety in Justin Simmons that I'm sure he's excited to work with. And obviously Patrick Sertan at corner, a uh, young guy that's developing into one of the best corners in the league. So I think the, the talent was right for him to, to come in and be able to be um, a different set of eyes and maybe bring some different ideas. And then two, let's just be honest, the Broncos were a disappointment of the last two seasons. And Sean Payton's a guy that's got a lot of, a lot of, leeway in the organization to make his own decisions. We're seeing that play out with the Russell Wilson situation. You know, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, was on the hot seat pretty much until about week 10. You know, this could be a play where he says, let me get in position. If things don't work out, the defensive coordinator, I'm right there to kind of say, hey, here's what I can do and kind of pitch himself that way and maybe start climbing the ladder of the pros. So I think there's a kind of a lot of factors that said Denver was a place and obviously it's familiarity as a player there. The fact that their owners spend more on coaches than anybody else in the league probably helps too. So I think there's a lot of things pointing in the direction that that was a good choice for him going forward. Uh, and then real quick, uh, Wisconsin well-represented via Super Bowl, obviously uh, J.J. Watt uh, being on set with the crazy hair that everybody's been talking about. And then Leo <laughs> Chanel playing in the, uh, in the middle linebacking position for the uh, San Francisco 49ers and what he did uh, in this game. So, Leo Chanel uh, coming up big in the 49ers game. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, the, the strip on Christian McCaffrey in, in the first quarter, that saved him at least three points, and then he was he got his hand on the extra point try in the second half. So, at the very least, he, he was kind of responsible for holding off four points, and when you're talking about an overtime game, mm-hmm. uh, a huge type of uh, momentum swinger there. And the thing about Chanel is, you know, all season he's been more of just their base linebacker. You know, once they get in their sub packages, he's not on the field too often. But I think he really showed that, you know, he's able to be impactful even if he's not getting a ton of snaps or out there every play. So I think it's a a good sign for him in his development as a pro. And, you know, you saw him a few times trying to chase down Brock Purdy. and, And even in the AFC Championship game, he had a couple of pressures on Lamar Jackson. One of them ended up being a touchdown, unfortunately, for the Chiefs. But, you know, I think Chanel's developed into a really nice role player. And um, if that continues forward, maybe he's able to get into more of a every down type of, of situation for him going forward in his career. But you talk about two years in, two Super Bowls, can't really start better than that uh, for a guy that, you know, had, a lot, had some questions in terms of how quickly and how well he would develop in the pro game coming out of college. No doubt. And I think I said for the San Francisco game, but he was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I wanted to make sure I cleared that up. Anyway, appreciate it as always. And any other thoughts uh, regarding the Wisconsin Badgers? The only thing I can say is defensively, the secondary didn't look good early on. They started to get better as the season went on. Uh, I'm anxious like you to see what the transfer portal is going to bring because uh, they already picked up a couple of guys that I think are going to fortify the middle. But defensively speaking, I hope this team gets a lot better. I want to see them get back to what they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing with the secondary is depth. You just can't get through a Big Ten season with four guys you trust at the corner spot, maybe even, you know. And they've got some better depth at safety than they do at corner still, but some of the guys that, like Michael Mack or some of the younger guys at corner really have to step up and be able to contribute at least a few plays here and there and not you know let it dip because you just can't get through a season where Ricardo Hallman's out there every play and you're 
asking Jason Major to cover the slot a thousand snaps a year. It just can't happen. Great stuff as always, Colton. We appreciate it, and we're going to talk to you soon, okay? Thanks. Thanks, pal. There you go. Colton Bartholomew over at uh, the State Journal. You can find his stuff over there. Read about it, covering the Wisconsin Badgers, talking a lot of Badger football. Good stuff. Good stuff to uh, get involved with. There, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Doing a little Fat Tuesday shenanigans. I know that uh, Stenny's has some stuff going on today as well. Second to National Walker's Point, if you're heading over to, uh, say, a Bucks game, a Marquette game, Admirals who are streaking 14 in a row right now, or maybe some of the uh, some of the events downtown, Milwaukee, or even when the Brewers get going, they're going to run shuttles to every Brewers home game as well. Stenny, second to National Walker's Point, that's where you go. That's where you go. And I know coming up here in March, they uh, are getting close Close to opening up Stenny's Lake Country on Watertown Road in Pewaukee. I can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. We're going to uh, – I hope to. Uh, hope that we can kind of christen that thing with a broadcast, do a live broadcast from there. Can't wait. But Stenny's, both places, awesome. Uh, Lake Country getting ready to open. Not open yet. And then there's a second and national in Walker's Point. That is the original. And as they say, Stenny's, you should be here. Good stuff. Uh, great stuff from Colton Bartholomew. I'm excited about uh, Badger football this year. I mean, I know talent. Well, you got to wait and kind of see what comes together. Grant, how much of a pass just putting in a new defense, just putting in a new offensive philosophy, getting your own guys into the portal situation, how much of a pass should uh, the Badger program get from last year? I'm not – that's a tough question to answer because it depends on your expectations, right? Right. I, I think – Part of the issue of last year is our expectations were probably too high and therefore our expectations weren't met. So now we're angry. Whose fault is it? Well, it it might just be the reality of a team and a coaching staff trying to bring it all together in a short window of time. And I also like there were a couple losses. You just you shouldn't have lost those games You executed so poorly. So I, I, I don't. I think my frustration last year is just in a couple of those individual games, like the the Indiana game. It's like you guys should have won this game. Indiana, Western, yeah, you, yeah. you know, yeah, I completely agree. Washington State, you know, you kind of look at a game like that, and you're like, Ugh. Wazoo's not bad, but you, you can't, you can't go on the road like that and lose to Wazoo. Well, what's so. frustrating is they played so well against Ohio State in a game that they were probably right. drawing dead with, anyways. Like they they were going to probably win that game with Braden Locke, but if they would have played that way against Indiana or Northwestern in the first half. Like, there were games there to be won last year. It's not like this program was completely down and out, even under right. the, the first year of Luke Fickle and a new staff. I uh, I know last year I got excited, and rightfully so, and I got probably, like many fans, got out over our skis. I know I did. And I was thinking, you know, nine wins. If you get lucky, maybe ten, and it just didn't turn out like that. So this year I think your expectations, although – you know, it, it may not end up with, I think nine wins is a fair place to start. I know some people are looking at the schedule going, there's no way in hell. There's no way in hell. But look, if you're going to climb the big 10 mountain, 
you better be ready to play and get nine nine wins, ish. Uh, it's it's <laughs> you know you got you got big boys coming in now. It's no longer just beating up on the uh, craptastic West. You got some big boys coming in now, and you're going to have some big names on the docket. If you get those wins, you've earned that right to be considered one of the better programs in the country. Not one of the top ones, but one of the better ones. But that's where the expectations are, and I don't know if it's rightfully so or not, but that's where you aspire to be, that's damn sure, and there's got to be a high standard. So I, I completely agree with a lot of you. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next.